Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on the Lakeland Vineyard Podcast. My name is Andy Baker. I'm the lead pastor here at Lakeland Vineyard, and I just wanted to give you a warm welcome and say thank you for spending this time with us. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged through the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And we would love to connect with you and make ourselves available to you. If you would go to lakelandvineyard.org and fill out a connect card, we would love to get in touch with you. Also, I would love to invite you to join us for a worship service at 10 a.m. in the room or online. We would love to see you there. After, and then you will fill me. I will not fill myself. You will fill me. As I, as I walk on this path of true life, you will fill me with joy as I'm in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Again, we've talked about this before. This isn't something that's off in the distance. This is, this is now. That in the midst of everything that we may go through, whether good or bad, that, that God is here. And there's this thing that's happening, this tension of, of forever and now, right? The now and the not yet. But we get to experience God now in the presence of God and we're changed in his presence. And, and yesterday I heard a, a story that I have to tell you. Um, and the teller of the story is actually here this morning. Surprised me, but, but there's, this, this, uh, there's these people, a couple, and uh, they were girlfriend and boyfriend, and the, the, the girl um, lost her cat. And, uh, and the boyfriend was like, oh my gosh. Like, and and it, it, the cat actually died. And um, the boyfriend was like, oh man, I've, she loved that cat. Like I've got to get her almost like an identical cat. And so he goes out and he gets her, I mean, it looks like a twin of this other cat. And, and the girlfriend says, what am I gonna do with two dead cats? Okay, so the deal is this. Sometimes in our best intentions, we really mess up, all right? And so what we were praying for is that, that God will Transform us. If you guys didn't get that, there's two dead cats in the building now. Some of you who are family people or cat lovers are like, you're looking at me like cats. You're like, it's not funny. All right. And so, but we want to be, we want to be deeply transformed. And, and, and I, I'm convinced of this. I was talking to some people um, earlier in the week is this. I don't think there's any way around being transformed by Christ. It doesn't happen through osmosis. I can't take this Bible, I can't put it under my pillow and become transformed into Christ-likeness. I can't do that, all right? And so what I wanna encourage you guys is, is this, that, that the word of God is powerful. And that there's something about, there is something about gathering around the word of God in this room, but this is just one of, of things that we'll do in our lives, but there's something about individually studying this, letting it impact your life, letting it have a, an incredible change. There's something about praying 
And, and you might be like, how, well, how do you pray? And that's a great question, and that's a question we're not gonna answer completely today, but, but it's this. It, it's the cry of the innermost part of you talking to God and allowing him then to speak to you. And that's where transformation begins to take place when we allow God. It, we, we sang a song that says, you know, I, I surrender, right, all that I am to you so that what, you can have, you can have your way. You can do what you wanna do as I surrender to you. And, and so we continue this series on the Sermon on the Mount, the slow kingdom coming. And, and over the last, last week, we skipped one, but over those last two weeks, we had pondered these questions uh, how can I bless someone who I condemn, all right? And remember that, that it is impossible to bless someone who you condemn because if you're condemning them, you're looking at them as if they are irredeemably bad, all right? And so this is a categorization that we, you can't bless and condemn, all right? How am I supposed to straighten people up then, right? Like, I'm on a mission, and I want to straighten everybody up on earth, right? And, and what do we learn? It's not our job to do that. And then what about discernment? What about when, you know, brothers or sisters, are, are, they are legitimately doing stuff wrong. They're missing the mark, right? What, what am I to do then? Am I just to let them to do whatever they want? And, and discernment says no, because sometimes, and, and Josh talked about this briefly. I don't know if you caught that. God being good doesn't always mean that it's the grandfather. Like, goodness comes in correction as well. And so I know if, if I wanted to be always like, you know, the cool dad, like it wouldn't be cool. So what do we do? Well, we, we, we hold our brothers and our sisters accountable to actions, to choices. And actually, that's called love in the deepest sense. Why do I discipline? Why do Jen and I discipline our kids? Because we love them deeply. And if you're a parent, you've said, probably said something, you know, this actually hurts me more than it hurts you. And your kids are like, <laughs> yeah, right. You ever disciplined your kid and then walked into the other room and started crying? because you know you want the best for them. And so God loves us, and so he wants the best for us. We, we ask about this question, what about the pearls to pigs? Pushing stuff that people need, right? You need this, take this, and they're not ready for it, though. And so in his teaching, Jesus uses these building blocks. Again, the Sermon on the Mount is this, it's a continual teaching. Remember, there wasn't the morning session, the afternoon session, and the evening session that didn't connect. This is a continual teaching all the way through that, that uses building blocks of teaching. And what we're gonna see here in this section that we're gonna talk about today, Matthew 7, 7 through 12, this is no different. This is a continuation this isn't like Jesus said, oh yeah, I, want, I got a couple extra points here I wanna add in. This is, again, it's building. And actually, we're gonna spend two weeks just on these verses. And so Matthew 7, 12, uh, 7, excuse me, 7 through 12, in the New Living Translation reads like this. Keep on asking, 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do you understand why we're spending two weeks on this? This is incredible stuff here. And of course, I have a couple questions and I hope that you'll go with me on this. Is now Question number one is this. What is the importance of the request? What is the importance of the request? And so... When we talk about requests, we first have to talk about demands. And when we talk about demands, here's what, demands often involve condemnation. They often involve us pushing our pearls onto people. And we find out that our demands uh, are, are often met with condemnation back to us. And as Jesus would put it, biting. And so, we need to understand this, that, that as long as we are demanding and we're coming from the place of demanding, not requesting, demands create divides. Demands create divides. Request, on the other hand, put us in unity with the other person. As we back off from condemning someone, and it was easy for me to write this because I do it all the time, right? And so, and I, the demanding part is what I'm talking about. Let me get that straight, all right? And so, and so on the, uh, but on the other hand, requests bring us into unity. Uh, we back off the condemnation. We back off pushing our pearls onto them. And we become instead someone who listens, someone who becomes a resource and even an ally, someone who, get this, loves them, someone who cares for them. Now, this this can take place because we're no longer demanding. We're simply requesting. And so we're not trying, in other words, to drive the relationship. We, we come to this place where we believe that actually God is in control. And this doesn't mean, I, I, wanna, I wanna stress this because sometimes when you teach like this, people are like, man, well, what do you do? Just let people do whatever they want to. And we, we previously talked about that, but I wanna reiterate that is this. Uh, this doesn't mean that you allow people to do as they please. It, it's not a situation where everything goes. That there is no right, there is no wrong. You create your own truth. And that's what post-modernity would tell us, right? Like there is no absolute you do you. And I have to come up and say, I fully disagree with that. 
that there are absolute truths. And that those absolute truths, we can find them uh, in this Bible. And yours too. And, And there's truth in there. And there's truth and it's in love. I mean, I think about this. We wanna be more like Jesus. When did we ever see Jesus berating sinners? When did we see Jesus come alongside sinners? Can I tell you one instance where he came alongside sinners? When he became a human being and made himself like us. That's huge. He was an incarnated Christ, God incarnate, God among us, God with us, who faced the same things that that we faced. So no, we don't allow people to do uh, whatever they do. Rather, it's about standing in the kingdom of God, respecting the person before God, remaining thoughtful and gracious and continually requesting. Remember, it is not our uh, decision for them to say yes or to say no to us. Remember when we talked about innocent as doves? Jesus used that term. Listen, I'm not trying to force you to make this decision. You need to do this. This is the truth. I have this great truth and I'm gonna push it on you. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna continually bring you before the Lord. And guess what I'm gonna do in in life, in a relationship where I'm not pushing things on you? I am going to request. And you can do that. Do you ever notice like when you request something, there's a disarmament that happens? Think about it in a very simple way. This This is a crude example. Not crude as in disgusting, just crude as in simple. Jason, Jason, go get me water. That's gonna be met with like, I mean, you could have said that nicer. Um, All right. Or think about a request. Hey, Jason, I'm thirsty. Could you please go get me some water? Isn't there a disarmament that happens there? There is, because I'm, I'm saying it in a way that is caring. The first way is I'm saying it in a way that I'm a jerk. You need Jesus. You're disgusting. Okay? You know? Hey, the thing that's made a huge difference in my life is this relationship with Jesus where I, I'm not perfect. But, but I know that in Christ, I'm whole. And, and even if I mess up, and, and which I do, is because of Jesus, I'm right, I'm made right with God. And so like, in, in your life, I just see this in your life, and, I, and I, don't, I don't wanna come to you as a person who, who could never, this could never happen to. I wanna come to you as a person that I know this could happen to. And because I love you, I wanna see you made right with God. I wanna see restoration in your life. Is that a completely different approach? And I didn't just meet that person on the street either. We've been in relationship. 
And there might be times where, where God directs you, someone on the street, and, and, and this is happening. I'm gonna tell you this. I would do this. Innocent as doves. Because there is a way that you can present the gospel that is absolutely filled with no hope. And there's a way that you can present the gospel that is filled with amazing hope. And so, innocent as doves, we, we must also hold on to the fact that, again, we can't control what the person says. That's not ours. That's not ours to handle. Uh, and this doesn't offend us. Here's what we do. We simply stay in relationship. We continue to love. We continue to knock. How has this happened? If you're in a relationship with Christ in this room, how patient was God with you? How patient is God with you and me? I wanna look at a couple scriptures here because I, I think they're gonna, they're gonna lead us down this road a bit further. Um, they're both found in 1 John, actually, chapter four. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says this. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Verse eight, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. First John four, verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And I don't know about you, but these scriptures are extremely challenging for me. Because, because here's what I found is, you can't soften those up any. You know, we have a mission statement here that says loving God, loving people. And loving God isn't um, written in bold and loving people is written in real thin. They're both equally important. And so these are, these are extremely challenging scriptures for me because if you're like me, like, well, it's easy to love person A, but, but God, you want me to love person B? Have you seen them? You know, and maybe God, because I, I believe God is, he's fun. I believe God would maybe say, well, have you seen you? You know, maybe he would say that, and you'd be like, oh, well, touche. Um, but, but I believe the answer is this, have you seen them, is our, is our question to God. You know, whether we actually use those words, maybe it's our attitudes that reflect that, but, but our, what we're, really, we're really asking, like, God, have you seen them? Like, how am I, <laughs> come on now. And, and God, I believe, would say this, yes, I've seen them. Yes, I know them. Yes, I love them, and yes, I love them as much as I love you. So to understand the importance of this, this request to people as we walk with them to say, you know, hey, would you consider, like my dad made a request for me a long time ago. 
you know, about swearing. And we've already talked about this, but let's talk about it again. Um, it was a request. It wasn't a demand. He didn't say, stop swearing, you idiot. <laughs> that wouldn't be cool. All right. Uh, he didn't make this demand of me. He said, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and, like, I just believe that, that God wants to do some more stuff in your life and that, that to really evaluate this in your life. Now, it's a request. Now, here's the deal. There might have been a part of me that been like, Pfft. I don't even know what I might have said. Thought it, you know. We don't say a lot of things that are, you know, thought it. But then I was reflected on it. And that wasn't, his request wasn't, my reaction and response wasn't his responsibility. It was something that God had laid on his heart. So do you guys understand where we're going with this request thing, is that we can do this. Um, and so we have to understand this, that, that a request, to understand the importance of the request is to understand that at our deepest parts, we cannot have one orientation towards God and another towards people. Like loving God and loving people, again, it's not just a cute saying, it's not just, wow, that looks good on the website, that fit right in this, or you know, painted on that wall, um, so yeah, let's go with that. Uh, it's actually the approach uh, to actually living a life that is a reflection of Christ. See, when we approach God and we approach people with two different orientations, like, well, yeah, of course I love God, but these people, and we've talked about this before, horizontal relationships and vertical relationship, vertical relationship to God, horizontal relationship to people, they're equal parts. I mean, when we think about this, as, as, as Christ begins to take our life over, what will we do? Well, we'll become more like Jesus. We'll begin to be able to see the Imago Dei in people all around us, even the ones that drive us crazy. That Jesus actually died for them as well. And so according to the passages that we just read out of 1 John, what do we see? There's no separation between how we approach people and approach God. I mean, he's pretty blatant about it. Oh, you say you love God, but you hate people? You're a liar. Now, here's the deal. If you want to write me, write John. I'm just, if you write me about that and say, that's a little rough, I'm just going to send you back the scripture reference with an emoji. Like, I don't know what to do with it. There's no way around it. So if it's not just a cute saying, if it's not just a mission statement, or if it's actually a mission statement, it's a mission statement then that can be lived out in reality. Sometimes we get so cerebral uh, that we forget to actually make application of what we're talking about. And all of this stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, this, this isn't just knowledge that you should have to think about. This is actual things that can make a difference in your life and the lives of the people that are around you as we put them into practice. Dallas Willard says this, and it kind of buttons all of this up. It says, our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible 
to treat others as they should be treated. I'm gonna say that one more time. Our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible to treat others as they should be treated. Which leads to my second question and final question for today. How can we learn to rejoice with others? There's a passage in James, and I wanna say this before we get to the passage, that the first thing that we should recall about a community of believers, in this case, Lakeland Vineyard, a local church body, um, is this, that, that the church is actually a community of love found in apprenticeship to Christ. A community of love that is founded or found in an apprenticeship to Christ. And so James 4, uh, 1 through 3 reads like this. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's one of, the, again, like, guys, do you guys see that with me? Like the first John passage? You guys ever heard of a sock full of pennies? Right? Can you imagine getting hit with a sock full of pennies? That would, okay. But they hit you, right? And you're like, whoa, dude, James, bring it down a notch. Can't you say that nicer? No, I think it's just reality is this, man. Okay, then how do we, James, how do we make that right? Okay, even when you ask, you do it because, and your motives are all wrong, you only want what will give you pleasure. Well, foundationally, the church started off as a place that was selfless, giving so that no one experienced need. Now, how quick did the church start turning away from that? Let me tell you a little story. Super quick. Okay? If you read after Acts, a lot of that is like, you're turning away from where we started, guys. What are you doing? Here's the way it is. Here's the instruction. And so James is just giving that instruction. Stop being selfish. How do we make it right, James? It's this. We make it right by asking not what is only good for me, but what is good for everyone involved. We ask this question as we stand in the kingdom of God. Because both our vertical and horizontal relationships are important. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this in a book called Life Together. It's rather long, but I wanna read it to you. And I wanna explain it to you a little bit, what I'm about to read is this, that the, it, the, the premise is this, that there is no immediate relationship 
between you and I. We don't have, in, in the body of Christ, you might be thinking, what are you talking about? That Christ always stands between us. And not between us as a dividing, but between us as I can relate to you through Christ and I'm looking at you through Christ. And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this, because Christian community is founded solely on Jesus Christ, it is a spiritual, not merely human reality. In this, it differs absolutely from all other communities. Christian brotherhood is not an ideal that we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we can learn to, re, to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our fellowship is in Jesus Christ alone, the more serenely shall we think of our fellowship and pray and hope for it. Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. Spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. Therefore, human love seeks direct contact with the other person. It loves him not as a free person, but as one whom it binds itself to, or binds to itself. It desires to be irresistible, to rule. Human love has little regard for truth. It makes the truth relative. Since nothing, not even the truth, comes between it and the beloved person. Jesus Christ stands between the lover and the others he loves. Because Christ stands between me and others, I dare not desire direct fellowship with them. As only Christ can speak to me in such a way that I may be saved, so others too can be saved only by Christ himself. This means that I must release the other person from every attempt of mine to regulate, coerce, and dominate him with love. Thus, this spiritual love will speak to Christ about a brother more than to a brother about Christ. It knows the most direct way to others is always through prayer to Christ and that the love of others is wholly dependent upon the truth in Christ. I just thought, when we think about this, being in community together, being in relationship together. What is the center of that relationship? And if it's Jesus Christ and we're fellowshipping around Jesus, a lot of what we see there in James is going to take care of itself. Because I'm not here to be served, in other words, Kind of like what Jesus said, actually, I came to serve. I didn't come to consume, I came to contribute. And here's another thing we have to do, and I love doing this. We have to laugh. No, I'm just kidding. Just randomly start laughing. <laughs> okay, um, so we have to laugh. We have to learn to laugh together. It's part of being in community. It's part of who we are. I believe this. I believe that we were made actually to laugh, not the sole purpose. That'd be really weird if you just walked around laughing all the time. 
But I do believe that we are made to laugh. I believe this too, when our spirituality becomes, our spirituality becomes so serious that we forget to laugh, we have lost touch with who we are in Christ. We have disconnected from these relationships that bring us joy and laughter. I mean, have you ever just needed, like you've been going through something and something hits you and you just start laughing and it's like the best? In Psalm 126, one through three, it says this. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What a joy. They were filled with laughter. They sang. I love when Josh was like, sing at the top of your lungs. And some of you might be thinking, I can't sing. I can't carry a note or tune in a bucket. But that's not what it's about. It's about worshiping God. It's about saying, man, oh my gosh, how hilarious is this? I mean, a perfect example. I didn't even know they were praying in there this morning. I thought they were waiting on me. They walk, I walk in this room where they pray before service, right? They're in the middle of prayer. I'm like, what up, Ka? They're praying. And guess what? Josh doesn't give me the hairy religious eyeball like, I was before the Lord, okay? They just, we just started laughing, all right? And then even more funny is right behind me, Mary walks in. And she's like, hey, everybody. And she doesn't realize that they're praying either. So guess what we did? We laughed. Could you imagine if we took it so seriously? Like, we're just like, oh, my gosh. Well, there goes the presence of the Lord for this morning. <laughs> and God's like, chill. All right? Again, what are we trying to do in that situation? Well, we're going to drive the car just right. Right? Like, we're gonna do this. What we're saying is, you know, like, I can't drive the car just right. I want God to drive the car. I don't, I mean, we can, we can set up order and things like this, but God has permission to do whatever he wants. And when it happens and we walk in and I yell, what up, cuh? And they're praying, we just laugh. I mean, that's the reality of it. A family laughs together. Why? Because life is funny sometimes. Now, life is serious, and we mourn together too. We grieve together too. But let's not become so spiritual that we forget to laugh. Because actually, that's called being uptight. See, why can we laugh? Because of what God has done for us. Wow, we can laugh and we can approach people as image bearers of God and we can do life with them because what God has done for us. We can respect people, we can love them no matter who they are right now, we can love them for no matter who they have been because of what God has done for us. We can walk with them, we can walk beside them, we can even request of them to change because what God has done for us. We don't have to condemn people, we can love people because of what God 
has done for us. We can call our friends out, the people that we're walking with, and we can say, hey, I just see this in your life because of what God has done for us. And we approach it with grace and mercy, understanding that we could be in the same, very same situation that they're in. And we can stand confidently in the kingdom of God knowing that God is in control and that we are not. And I don't know about for you all, that's such a relief for me, all right? Think about this. We have this project that's going on here, right? I have a document that's four pages long now that I just, every day I write down stuff because it was, it was living in here and I was like going crazy, right? And then I found, you know, we're working with, I don't know, let's say 10 different contractors and 10 different things to do. Like when you write that stuff down and I'm like, dude, I, what the heck? Can you imagine managing everything? Like even with a group this big, could you imagine like, trying to control and maneuver everything that happens, one person doing that. It's insane. So here's what I've come to the conclusion. God, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that I can stand confidently in the kingdom of God knowing that you are in control and that I am not. And here's the other thing. We can love others without strings attached. Why do you love me? I love you because Jesus loves you. And I believe that, 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 that I know that Jesus is, is in me. And he's overtaking me. And I'm surrendering to him and I can love well only because he has loved me well. And we can do as verse 12 says, we can do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. We can treat others with dignity and respect, and we can love them well. So next week, this is kind of like the request, right, to people. Next week, we're going to talk about the request to God, right? So we kind of covered horizontal today. And next week, we're gonna cover this vertical relationship, this, what is the request to God? Well, I requested to God, but I didn't get what I wanted. This is a preview. It says, nah, I've been knocking, okay? There's a hole in the door now. I had to change where I'm knocking, okay? Remember this. This is just a little bit of what we're gonna cover next week is this. God loves you right? He loves you. He hears your request, okay? And maybe he hasn't answered it yet. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that he hasn't heard you. We're going to cover that um, next week. And so I just want to encourage you with this, that, that, that we can go out from this place, and I believe this, because it's gotta be true. Like, we can't just come here on Sunday, <sighs> what's up, Jesus? We see you, and then nothing happens. I believe this with all my heart, that, that we take this out, the truths that are found in Christ, and, and the, the lack of condemnation, the, that we actually get to partner with people, and, and then we get to do this 
during the week. We get to do this in this room. We get to go out and be Jesus to the people that are around us. Is that, that's pretty awesome. What a responsibility, but it's a responsibility too that we, we don't have to get all, oh God, we can just go be Jesus to people because God is in control. So I wanna pray for us all today. If you'd stand, that'd be great if you have the ability to. If you don't, that's fine as well. I'd love it to, if, if in this moment, um, I'm not gonna ask you to position your hands in any way. I, I think more importantly, would you just position your heart in a way to receive from God? And, and so I just wanna pray a, a simple prayer over us. Holy Spirit, would you come? May we be more like you not filled with information so that we would know more, but, but full of, of knowledge of you and the hope that's found in you, Jesus. May we leave this place today on mission to love God and to love people. May we love you well, and may we love people well. God, because you loved us, you love us. And we thank you that that's not uh, just this saying, God, but you actually love us and know us and care for us. So as we're with you, as we're in your presence and we're changed into your likeness, may we take that out and let it start in our own home. Let it extend to our neighbors. God, that we might know you and that they might know you. You're so, so good. So just pray that you would have your way in our lives. Help us, God, to, to seek first the kingdom of God in all that we do. So as you leave, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you to take the peace of God with you. I bless you to be uh, stewards of the kingdom. I bless you to be ambassadors of the kingdom. I bless you to stand firm in the kingdom of God and in love and in mercy as you interact with the people around you that they would know Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen.